Welcome to Children's Church at this time, kindergarten through second grade, which they'll find through this door on the left side of the sanctuary, and their teachers will be there waiting for them. And uh, you can open to Proverbs chapter 16. You can find on page 641, we're going through the book of Proverbs, a uh, sermon series on the book of Proverbs. And right now we're in a section where we're going through uh, a portrait of wisdom, looking at principles of wisdom. We have a very religious dog in our family. He seems to celebrate every holiday that comes along the calendar. He did it again. Thursday night we were out for dinner and uh, he woke up out of his bed. Uh, well, we come home from dinner we find one of those sites, one of those uh, vistas which dog owners are familiar with. The trash is knocked down and it's spread all over the place. I guess he you know, he, he was roused from his sleep by something, some smell wafting through the air. I think it was the chocolate off in the other room, which beckoned him. He didn't find what he wanted in the trash, so he went and he must have uh, stood on the gate, leaned on the gate for a while, and eventually it came crashing down. And uh, he went off and he discovered where we had opened all our presents and still hadn't put things away. Uh, if you translated the amount of chocolate he ate for the amount of weight, he only weighs 55 pounds. If I had eaten that much chocolate in one sitting, I would have been sick too. I would have had to eat about 15 pounds of chocolate in one sitting to, to do what he did. And so, you know, it's the, the, the seduction of what appeared before him that he just couldn't resist. And he couldn't look down the road and see what it was that was going to happen to him next. But, <laughs> but we knew uh, he couldn't keep his food down. He was jittery. He's shaking. The poor pathetic thing. His eyes were beet red. And, um, you know, he couldn't sleep at night. He's pacing all around the kitchen all night long with his claws clacking. And we couldn't, we couldn't sleep there in our, our bedroom next to the kitchen. But... Uh, when will he ever learn? When will he ever learn? I guess you're wondering, when will his owners ever learn <laughs> to keep the kitchen door shut? But we need to look beyond outward appearances. It's those outward appearances, those things that, that appear to our senses that get us into trouble. And this is what uh, Scripture is addressing. If you look in, in Proverbs chapter 16, and verse 19, the book of Proverbs addresses the foolishness of looking at outward appearances and calls us to take a deeper look. So, Proverbs 16, verse 19, it says, Better to be lowly in spirit and among the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. So, I believe what the Word of God is saying to us is that foolishness feeds on outward appearances. And so wisdom must take a deeper look. Foolishness feeds on outward appearances. And so the wise must look more deeply. 
And so here you see in Proverbs 16:19 that there are some outward appearances uh, that there's the outward appearance of having plunder, having lots of good stuff, and then there's the outward appearance of being oppressed. And naturally, what we would want is we would want to be the people who have lots of good things, who have lots of stuff, lots of plunder. And outward appearances would attract us to that. And so what foolishness does, first of all, is it seduces us. There's the tragedy of seduction. And so the outward appearance draws us in and there's this tragic uh, betrayal the way that these outward appearances lead us astray. And then there's an evil that comes with foolishness. Foolishness is not just a tragedy, but it's an evil. And the evil is that there are those who oppress others and those who plunder others in order to get what they want. And so there's an evil of betrayal. And so pursuing outward appearances and pursuing the things that our eyes see and that our senses show us leads us to betray even family, even friends, and uh, to betray those around us, to betray what we know is right. So there's a, a tragedy in foolishness. There's an evil in foolishness. And then there's the foolishness of foolishness itself. What makes foolishness so foolish is that it's all going in the wrong direction and it's a waste of effort. And this foolishness we get in Proverbs 16:19 with that first word, better. Because it's better to be lowly in spirit and among the oppressed than it is to be sharing plunder with the proud. There's something much, much better for us than to follow these external things and the, and the draw and seduction of, of outward appearances. So what I want us to do is look first at this tragedy, the tragedy of, of foolishness, and see why the wise must look more deeply. And then we'll look at the other aspects of foolishness. The wise must take a deeper look. So I want you to uh, just go through the book of Proverbs with me and just look at three stories, three tragic stories that, that the book outlines for us. Tragic stories of people who were seduced by outward appearances. And so uh, turn with me first to Proverbs chapter 1 and uh, verses, verse 10. Proverbs chapter 1. You'll find this, uh, where is that? About page 625. And uh, starting with verse 10. And here we have the tragic story of the young man who is seduced by the outward appearance of his buddies who, uh, who have found a way to get rich quick. And so they're, 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 they're calling him to follow along with him and go on a, a, a scheme of thievery, of robbery, of plundering other people's houses and getting rich quick by stealing. A life of crime. And so you hear the father, uh, the, the writer of Proverbs, warning the foolish person like a father warning his son and saying, My son, verse 10, Proverbs 1, verse 10, 
If sinners entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie in wait for someone's blood. Let's waylay some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we will share a common purse. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their path. For their feet rush into sin and they are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net in full view of all the, all the birds. So it's such a tragedy that people are seduced. They're attracted. And many times evil is attractive to us. And this is why we fall into sin. This is why we struggle with sin. Because the world is confusing. And things that shouldn't attract us, attract us. And our hearts desire the things they shouldn't desire. And the things that we ought to love, we don't love. And so we're seduced and we fall into these terrible situations. Look at another, another tragedy. Turn over to uh, chapter 5. Again... Uh, a seduction. This time it's a seduction to unfaithfulness, marital unfaithfulness. Proverbs 5, verses 3 and 4. Just two verses is enough to tell the story. It's a story that's told a few times in the book of Proverbs. We're not going to even read the whole section here, which would take us down uh, at least to verse 10. But just verses 3 and 4. Proverbs 5, 3 and 4. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey... And her speech is smoother than oil. Oh, the outward appearance is so attractive, so desirable. But verse 4, in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Oh, the wise, the wise need to look deeper. And look at another, another story here. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 23. Turn over to Proverbs 23. Another tragic story of being seduced because we feed on outward appearances. So Proverbs 23, looking in verse 29. Proverbs 23, 29. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Besides my dog. Those who linger over wine, who go to sample bowls of mixed wine. And here it is, being seduced by outward appearances. Verse 31, Do not gaze at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. Seduction feeds on outward appearances. And uh, we can't just follow the first thing that comes into our head. You know, we can't just move along and live naturally the way that it just occurs to us to live. You know, if you're driving in the winter... You have to learn to do something that isn't quite natural. You know, the car starts to skid a little bit. It's kind of going a little bit sideways down the road. And what comes naturally is you turn the wheel to make the car straighten out. And when it doesn't do anything, then you turn the wheel further. 
And when it still doesn't do anything, you turn the wheel all the way. And it's still not doing anything, so you keep holding the wheel, hoping the car will eventually straighten out. And then the car straightens out. And the car says, how come you got the wheel turned all the way over there? And so the car goes all... And then you're facing oncoming traffic. You can't just do what comes naturally in this life. Um, If you ever go camping in bear country, you might think that what comes naturally is to hide all your food in the tent so that the bears you know, and other animals won't be able to get at it. But if you've, uh, if you've got any experience, you know that what you want to do is you want to hang the food up in a tree from a rope as far as you can from your tent because you don't want any smell of food anywhere near where you're sleeping because the bear doesn't stop because of the fabric of the tent. And uh, if, you're, if your clothes catch on fire, what might come naturally to you is something very dangerous. You might feel naturally that what you've got to do is just run away from these flames. Run, run. No, what are you supposed to do if your clothes are on fire? It doesn't come naturally. Stop, drop, and roll. But it saves lives. And so in life, in so many areas of life, we have to do things that don't come naturally. We can't just follow the outward appearances. But we have to, to learn wisdom and we have to learn a deeper way of looking at things. And so, when we're attracted by outward appearances into things that would destroy our lives, what does the book of Proverbs teach us that we need to do? To take a deeper look, we need to think about uh, how we can avoid a tragedy. So you've got an opportunity to get a promotion. It's a great opportunity. Congratulations. That's wonderful news. You must have done really well. But maybe you need to take a deeper look. Don't just do the first thing that comes into your head. So the first thing to do to take a deeper look is look down the road. What's ahead? Where is this going to lead? What is going to be the impact on your family? What is going to be the impact, really, on your finances, on your lifestyle, on your spiritual life? Are you going to need to move? Are you going to have more responsibilities? Are you going to need to be working a lot more? You'd better weigh the cost. You'd better look down the road and see where this is leading. And then secondly, who's selling? Who's selling? Who's really benefiting from this. Is this something that you've been after? Is this what you've been looking for? Is someone else gaining from this? It's okay for there to be a win-win, but we don't want to get ourselves enticed into something that really isn't good for us. You know, we live in an age where there's so much advertising. You know, we've all heard statistics about how many thousands of advertising messages we get in one day. Oh, by the way, I need to do a little word for our sponsor here. Uh, Colgate toothpaste and and uh, no, we we just get inundated with advertising messages. Someone is always behind everything, trying to sell us something. They've got an agenda, and we get so used to it, we forget that they're just really trying to get our money out of our pocket. That they have their own plans, and they're not necessarily at all concerned for us. So who's selling? And then. Um, Look down the road, ask who's selling, and then ask what satisfies. What really is satisfying in life? 
don't just go running after the first thing that sort of sparkles. There's a lot of fool's gold out there. You want the real thing. And so if it's um, an opportunity to get ahead in school by cooperating in a way that we call cheating in the old language, uh, look down the road. And who's selling? Are you, is this really to your advantage? What really satisfies? Uh, if it's a temptation to some kind of pleasure, some kind of illicit pleasure, uh, or maybe it's a, it's a good, uh, you know, permissible pleasure. Who's selling? What's down the road? And uh, what really satisfies? So we need to take a deeper look at the things that entice us, a deeper look at those outward appearances. Money doesn't satisfy. God satisfies hearts. We need to live for God and pursue his kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you as well. So the tragedy of foolishness is that we, we, we run after outward appearances and we pierce ourselves with many sorrows, with many griefs. We try to get rich quick. We try to get something for nothing. We try to get ahead without any effort. We just do what seems to come naturally. But there is an evil in foolishness. It's not just a tragedy, but it's also an evil. And the evil of foolishness is the way that it leads us to betray those around us, to betray friends, to betray family, to betray people who trust us. And so uh, the fool is, not, is called by different names in Scripture. He, in, in the book of Proverbs, he's called the fool, but he's also called the sluggard. And another name for him is the wicked. Because there is an evil in foolishness. And foolishness leads into all kinds of evil. It leads us to wander off the paths of the Lord into all kinds of evil paths and evil actions and evil thoughts. And so we get seduced, which is so tragic because of what it does to us. And we get seduced into betraying those we love, those we ought to uh, be faithful to, and those we ought to honor. So look with me at, at the evil of, of foolishness. If you turn to Proverbs 19, the evils of betrayal. Proverbs 19. Wealth is a good thing. Money is a wonderful thing. It's good to have. You should work hard. The book of Proverbs teaches us to work hard. Earn money. And that money is something really valuable. The book of Proverbs gives us a lot of straightforward common sense. That it's good to have money and it's bad to not have money. But um, it can be seductive too. And so Proverbs also turns around and warns us about some of the evils and dangers of money. Wealth brings many friends. Proverbs 19, verse 4. But a poor man's friend deserts him. So there's a lesson there. Proverbs 19, 4. You should make sure you have money. If you don't have money, you might not have friends. Don't just let things go out the window. Don't just let things run downhill. Work hard. Make sure you've got money because you're going to need it at some point. But there's also another lesson in here. There's another side to the same proverb. 
And the way you'd take this proverb is you'd use it at the time when someone is ignoring his friend. The time when someone is being unfaithful. And when you see someone being unfaithful, if you look closely, if you look deeper, you'll see he's, he's not getting something that appears outwardly attractive. And he's going to go somewhere else to get that. That this person is somehow outwardly not so attractive and so he's going to betray him. This, you know, if a friend doesn't have money, then you just don't want to be around him. Then he's not a friend anymore. What's this? This is betrayal. This is betrayal. Hard times fall on your fellow and you don't have time for him anymore. Hard times come on, on you and your friends don't have time for you. So that's an evil in foolishness, in looking at things in an outward, outward perspective. Look at verse 5, same kind of thing. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who pours out lies will not go free. Why do people lie? Why do people swear an oath in court and then bend the truth? Why do people tell lies behind your back? They're after outward appearances. They're after visible things. They're doing what comes natural instead of doing what's faithful and wise and good. Verse 6, Proverbs 19.6, Many curry favor with a ruler, and everyone is the friend of a man who gives gifts. But verse 7, A poor man is shunned by all his relatives. How much more do his friends avoid him? Though he pursues them with pleading, they're nowhere to be found. So yeah, it's good to have money. But the deeper lesson is, it's good to be faithful. Don't be a flaky friend, but look deeper. Be a faithful friend. We treat people as objects. Have you ever heard of meth mouth? There's this drug called methamphetamine, meth, uh, which is going around and and uh, people cook it out of ingredients you buy in the drugstore or in the supermarket and they make it in little makeshift laboratories, sort of home labs, and they sell it. It is extremely potent in its ability to, 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 to bring about addiction. They say that nobody uh, uses meth just once. Uh, so what happens is it, 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 it takes over your life and soon you're, you know, you've, you've just got to have it all the time. You take meth, it's, it's speed, it's, it's amphetamine. It, uh, it keeps you awake, it keeps you going, you don't sleep, and you're all stimulated, you're all happy, you're feeling great. There's a tremendous flood of, you know, all the, the brain chemicals that make you feel good and all this kind of stuff. And you don't brush your teeth. Uh, what happens is you get dry mouth. And so your teeth are exposed to the air. And so uh, tooth rot sets in. And you keep doing this for months and months on end. And you're not taking care of yourself. And you're drinking all sorts of soda. You know, this is sort of what you live on energy. You live on energy. And uh, the, mouths, the mouths of meth users have a characteristic pattern. And it's very, very ugly. Black teeth, rotted teeth missing teeth, grinding teeth, worn teeth, cracked teeth. And, you know, it's, it's very unappealing. But this is what happens. But let me tell you what is the worst thing 
that happens to meth users. Their children. They, they abandon their children. They abuse their children. They subject their children to all sorts of terrible, dangerous situations. And uh, their children end up being you know, taken off into foster care. They're adopted by someone else. They're, they're shipped off. They lose their families. They lose their jobs. They sell off all their possessions. They steal from their relatives. They'll do anything to get the next hit until finally they end up in prison. And hopefully they can't get any more meth while they're in prison. They come out of prison and they get back on meth. It's a terrible thing. But the evil of it is the betrayal of those whom they love. These drugs, they're so, they're so potent, they just seem to you know, bulldozer the person over. The whole personality just disappears and the person just becomes chemistry. But you know, the horrible thing about meth and the meth user, the thing that's so horrifying about it is that it's a little bit like you and me. Because there's something we desire. There's something we have to have. And we find desires driving us and pulling us. And we find the, the way that things look, uh, we can't resist it. We smell the chocolate. And it draws us on. And we can't stay where we belong. And we cross over the barriers that we knew we should never cross. And we get into things that, that give us nothing but grief. So maybe you're not tempted by meth. Maybe you're wise enough to steer clear. But there's money. And there's, uh, there's status, you know, where my children are going to college, you know, that whole thing, and what my children are doing, and, uh, you know, what job I have, and, you know, how my career is going, and where I live, and, you know, my bank account, and all the things that we, we do to, uh, to compare ourselves with one another, bolstering our outward appearances or power, just having power in society, or even if, if not that, at least over, over one person in our family. Power. And we get seduced by it. So take a deeper look. How, how do we resist the evil of foolishness? Know people. Look at people. Look at the people that you love. This is what will keep you from, from betrayal. If you don't just know their weak spots, but you know them, you get to understand, you listen, you love, you open your heart to the person who you're living with. Open your heart to your children, to your friends, so that if hard times fall on them and they're not attractive, but your heart is bound up with theirs. You know who they are. You love them. And you won't betray them. So this is what keeps us faithful, is when we know the people that we love. And so this is why in marriage it's so important to build intimacy. This is why parents need to not just spend quality time with their children, but spend time with their children. Because we need to know those whom we're responsible to love. And that's what keeps us faithful. So there's a, a tragedy, there's a terrible tragedy in foolishness. 
and there's an evil in foolishness, and then there's the foolishness of foolishness. What makes it so crazy, what makes it so foolish, is that it's completely blind to what's ahead, and it doesn't see what's about to come upon it. It doesn't look at the results. So look with me uh, at the foolishness of carelessness. Carelessness feeds on outward appearances. Proverbs chapter 9, starting with verse 13. And here we have the picture of, we've had the picture of wisdom who is seated on a high seat in the, in the village, in the city, and is calling out to everybody, come and receive from me wisdom. Seek wisdom, gain wisdom, it's, and, and then describing how wonderful and how good it is and what a blessing it is for our lives to have wisdom. And then after we hear that, we hear about this other woman who set up her seat in the city at the high place where the roads meet, where everybody can see her. And so Proverbs 9, verse 13. The woman folly is loud. She is undisciplined and without knowledge. See, she sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come in here, she says to those who lack judgment. Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. Come to the party. It's a wonderful party. Come and enjoy all the things that I have, says the woman folly. And it's a strange party because when you get there, who are the guests? They're all corpses. Look in verse 18. Little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of the grave. What a strange party. Who would ever want to go? Ah, but stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. The outward appearances attract us. And this is the foolishness of folly, is that we go after things that lead nowhere, that lead right down to death. And so we see the same kind of um, image used in a number of places in Proverbs. There's the, the story of the wise man looking out his window, looking through the lattice, and he sees the fool walking down the street, and all at once... He goes with the adulteress. She persuades him with all these words and finally he goes with her as a what? As an ox to the slaughter. And so we just don't see what we're getting ourselves into. We're getting ourselves into uh, terrible situations. But the foolish are careless. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who answer discreetly. Proverbs 26:16. We're so sure that we've got it all right, that we, I'm smarter than my parents, I'm smarter than my friends, I've got it all figured out. Ah, if they only knew how to get the good stuff like I do. Come to Proverbs chapter 18. I want you to see two different attitudes contrasted. Proverbs chapter 18. A wise attitude and a foolish attitude. Proverbs 18, 10 through 12. In verse 10, here's the wise attitude. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. 
the righteous run to it and are safe. There's danger. There's danger. And the world is a place where if you go out, you'll be deceived, you'll be seduced, you'll be led astray. Did, did Mike just die? Am I there? You'll be led astray and... So we we need to we need to find what will keep us safe. And the name of the Lord, the person and the qualities of the Lord, the character of the Lord is a strong tower. Run to him. He has given you his name. Call on his name and find safety. And there's protection for those who walk in his ways. But look at verse 11, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it an unscalable wall. Yeah, you think, I've got money for this, I've got money for that. If this happens, I'll do this. If that happens, I'll do that. Before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. The book of Proverbs says that you just... Look away, and riches will just fly away. They sprout wings and fly away. You think you've got money, but you don't know what will happen next. But the name of the Lord is a strong tower. There is security in walking with God, which you won't find in, in all the other things. You look for what will keep you safe, and you, you, you find money, and the outward appearance is that surely this is where safety lies, but it's a trick. It's a joke. It's vain. It's an empty hope. So we need to look deeply at danger, not just taking a surface look at things. God balances scores. You know, O.J. Simpson was a, a loved and admired man he he was a hero. He was a a, a record setter. He was a sprinter, and he was uh, most valuable player for two years. He was all pro for six years. He was he was a household name. He had uh, movies that he had done. He was an actor, but it seemed like he he got seduced, and he betrayed, and. He put his trust in himself, and uh, people have come to despise his name. His, his name is, is one that is ridiculed. He's a joke. And that's what, what so easily happens to us. We need to look deeply at the dangers before us. I just want to uh, urge you to think about life. Think about the dangers that face you. It's not only for this life that you face dangers. Yes, you can lose money, you can become poor, but then you can always bounce back again. You never know. Things go bad for a while and then things turn around. You never know. But beyond this life, there is a judgment and God settles scores. And none of us can bear that judgment 
And so if we just do what comes natural, if we just follow outward appearances, we may be terribly shocked and dismayed to discover what we have done at the end of our lives when we face our Creator, when we go back to our Maker, and He calls us to account for all that we have been and for all that we have done. And He demands of us payment for all of our debt. Christ has paid the debt. And you need to run to the name of the Lord. He's a strong tower. Many times people don't run to the Lord until the storm comes. There was a smell that was constant aboard the slave ship. The smell of death. It was always there. There was a sound that was constant aboard the slave ship. The sound of moaning. It never ceased. And there was always the rocking of the sea. But this night, the smell was blown away by the wind and washed away by the water. This night, the moaning reached a higher pitch than it had ever reached before. And this night, the rocking of the sea was strange. It was violent because of huge waves, but the ship wasn't rocking as usual. It was filling with water. It was going down. And John Newton finally cried out to the Lord. And he saw the evil of his ways and he cried out to his God because he realized he would be going into his God's hands any time. And he said, God, if I survive this storm, I will live for you. And somehow they survived the storm, most of them anyway. But John Newton still kept trading slaves. He still kept on in the business. By the time he he reached port, he had read the Bible uh, a great deal, and he had come to accept the Christian faith, the doctrines of Christianity, that Christ is Savior, that God is God who made us, and we are in his hands. But, But Newton wasn't ready to completely follow. It wasn't until later another tragedy, another sickness brought him so close to death. And then a third time that he was brought close to death with sickness. And these were the points at which Newton woke up and turned around and took another step towards God. And he wrote those famous words. May you not wait until the storm comes, till the water rises to turn to God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind. Now I see. Let's pray. Father, work in our hearts. Give us eyes to see what is real, what is true, what lasts, what satisfies, what is good. And to hold on to you, to your word, to your kingdom, and to not let go. In Jesus' name. Amen.